0: Would you turn your Bible, please, to Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20 and 21. Ephesians chapter 3, verses 20 and 21. Ephesians the third chapter, verses 20 and 21. May we pray together. Our Father, we thank Thee for this good hour, the wonderful music, and the testimonies, We just thank you for Glendale Baptist Church, for the hand of God upon this work these years. We gather together to thank you, and we praise the holy name of Jesus, asking that everything in this service will bring glory to God. May the Holy Spirit do His work of conviction and drawing folks to Jesus. We pray in His name, amen. This morning... I want to speak on the subject, the church, her mandate, and her mission. And in Ephesians chapter 3, verses 20 and 21, the Holy Spirit, writing through the Apostle Paul, says, Now unto him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly, above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us, unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. In these testimonies this morning, we have heard various people express their gratitude to God for this church. God wants to receive glory through the church. Glory through the church. That's His plan. Unto Him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus. As we think about that this morning, let's think about the church itself. And in one sense, this is going to be a type of Bible study. I'd like to ask you to open your Bible with me to these places. In Matthew chapter 16, we have the founding of the church. The Lord Jesus Himself founded the church. Beginning in verse 13, Matthew 16, 13, when Jesus came into the boat coasts of Caesarea Philippi, He asked His disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? They said, some say that thou art John the Baptist, some Elijah, others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. The Lord said, but who do you say I am? And Simon Peter said, thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And then Jesus said, blessed art thou, Simon Bar-Jonah, son of Jonah. For flesh and blood did not reveal this unto you, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say unto thee that thou art a little stone, a little pebble, thou art Peter, Petros, but upon this Petra, this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whichever thou shalt bind on earth shall have been bound in heaven. Whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall have been loosed in heaven. <clears throat> now the Lord Jesus founded the church. Peter was one of those little pebbles who confessed his faith in Christ, and today, you and I are those little pebbles. The church is made up of little rocks, little pebbles, who confess our faith in Jesus Christ. He says, you're a Petros. You're a little pebble. But upon this Petra, this bedrock, this rock, I will build my church. The church is not built upon you and me. It is built upon Jesus. If it had been built upon us, the church would have sunk and gone down long ago. But this is God's church built upon Christ, Jesus Christ Himself, the chief cornerstone. We are little pebbles that make up the church. But remember that Jesus Himself founded the church when He was here in the days of His flesh. Now Jesus commissioned the church, Matthew 28, 19, and 20. Open your Bibles to that passage. He gave the church its assignment. The assignment God gave to the church believe it or not, was not to run hospitals. Though certainly that is an outgrowth of the gospel. Thank God for Christian hospitals, for Christian doctors that have served the Lord both at home and around the world. But that was not the mandate Jesus gave. In Matthew 28, 19, and 20, he did not tell us to build orphanages, though I'm in favor of orphanages. Thank God for them. Christian homes where children who do not have parents can live. He did not tell us to do a thousand and one good things that the church needs to be doing, but sometimes substitute those things for the main thing. Jesus gave the church one big assignment. He did not give that assignment to the Red Cross, or the Cancer Society, or the city of Bowling Green, or or America as a nation. He gave this assignment to the church. It is our assignment. In Matthew 28, 19 and 20, he said to his church, And if you'll examine the Scripture closely, the same people were present as were present in Matthew 16 when he founded the church. He said, Go ye into all the world, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age or the world. Now the assignment Jesus gave his church was to go and tell, to make disciples, to win people to Christ by the power of the preached Word, the distributed Word of God, the broadcast Word of God that men might believe. In 1 Corinthians, we're told it pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. It is God's will, God's plan, God's purpose that the church of Jesus Christ hold true to that big commission. This is the reason the church has radio broadcasts. This is the reason many churches have television ministries. And I pray the day will come when we can have a television ministry. This is the reason we have church vans and church buses to go out and reach after people and bring them in from the fields of sin. Bring them in, bring them in. Come, For all things are now ready, Jesus said in Luke chapter 14. This is the reason for our missionaries and the support of our missionaries going around the world. This is the reason Larry Doyle is serving in Quito, Ecuador as president of that seminary. This is the reason Bonnie Brown, who served with us here for 13 years, is in Nigeria serving the Lord, winning precious people to Christ touching folks for Jesus, and outreach of this church. This is the reason Tack and Lana Oi are serving the Lord in Japan. Tack as evangelistic director for all of northern Japan, planting new churches day by day and week by week, reaching out after the unsaved. And on and on we could go describing our missions, missionaries. This is the reason for our Sunday school teachers. This is the reason for our soul winning teams. This is the reason for our visitation program to get the gospel out. Jesus said, go in all the world. And none of us is exempt from that ministry. We go by giving. We go by going. We go by praying. But we need to go. Thirdly, look in chapter, Acts chapter 1, verse 8. <clears throat> in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus not only founded the church and commissioned the church, but he empowered the church. In Acts chapter 1, 8, he said to these same disciples, the church, he said, "'Ye shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem, and in all Judea, and in Samaria, and unto the uttermost parts of the earth, a city full of churches, great preachers, lettered men, grand music, choirs, and organs. If these all fail, what then?' Good workers, eager, earnest, who labor hour by hour. But where, oh where, my brother, is God's almighty power? Refinement, education. They want the very best. Their plans and schemes are perfect. They give themselves no rest. They get the best of talent. They try their uttermost. But what they need, my brother, is God the Holy Ghost. We may spend time and money and preach from wisdom's lore, but education only will keep God's people poor. God wants not worldly wisdom. He seeks no smiles to win, but what is needed, brother, is that we deal with sin. It is the Holy Spirit that quickeneth the soul. God will not take man worship nor bow to man's control. No human innovation, no skill or worldly art can give a true repentance or break the sinner's heart. We may have human wisdom, grand singing, great success. There may be fine equipment, but these things do not bless. God wants a pure, clean vessel, anointed lips and true, a man filled with a spirit to speak his message through. Great God, revive us daily and keep us every day that men may all acknowledge we live just as we pray. The Lord's hand is not shortened. He still delights to bless if we depart from evil and all our sins confess. And ye shall receive power, church, after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem, and in all Judea, and in Samaria, and under the uttermost parts of the earth." Now I want you to notice in Acts chapter 1, verse 15, in those days Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples and said, the number of names was about 120. So in that upper room there were 120 people. Now turn your Bible to Acts chapter 2. And I want you to notice verse 41, Acts chapter 2, verse 41. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized. And the same day were added unto them about 3,000 souls. So now we have 3,120 people serving the Lord because of the power of the Holy Spirit upon that church. Turn your Bible to Acts chapter 4, verse 4. And let's look at this. But many of them who heard the word believed. And the number of the men was about 5,000. Now we have 5,000 men. And where there are 5,000 men, there are going to be 5,000 women. And more than likely, there are going to be about 5,000 children. So now we have about 15,000 plus 3,120. We have 18,120 by the fourth chapter of Acts. The Holy Spirit adding His power to the witness of God's people. Look in Acts chapter 4, verse 29. And now, Lord, behold their threatenings and grant unto thy servants that with all boldness they may speak thy word by stretching forth thy hand to heal, and that signs and wonders may be done by the name of thy holy child Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God with boldness. I want you to notice the church was emboldened by prayer. There is nothing greater than prayer. Prayer is the force that wields God's hand in this universe. And without prayer, all of our efforts are weak and poverty-stricken and poor and puny. But in prayer, God is the enabler. And God will bless this church as holy hands are lifted before the Lord in prayer. And as men everywhere pray, as we gather in groups, as we kneel at our bedside, as we gather at the church to pray, God answers prayer. Look in your Bible at Acts chapter 5, verse 14. And listen to this. Acts chapter 5, verse 14. And the believers were the more added to the Lord. Multitudes, both of men and of women. Now here we have multitudes being added. Earlier it was stated numbers. We had 3,000, then 5,000 and then some more, and now we have multitudes added to the Lord. Look in your Bible at chapter 6, verse 1. And in those days when the number of the disciples was multiplied, not only did he add, not only were there multitudes, but now there is multiplication. Two times two equals four. Four times four equals 16. 16 times 16 equals 256. 256 times 256 equals 65,536. And many people have estimated that by the sixth chapter of Acts when the first deacons, just seven men, were appointed or elected, that there were at least 65,000 converts in that church. The power of God upon the work. The church was founded by Jesus, commissioned by Jesus, empowered by Jesus, emboldened by Jesus, But I want you to notice the church was warned by Jesus. Open your Bible to Revelation chapter 3, verse 14. The very last message Jesus gave to His church, and unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, These things saith the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God, I know thy works thou art neither cold nor hot. I would, thou art cold or hot. So then, because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth." God hates lukewarmness. He wants His church to be red hot, on fire with the power and the love of the Lord, living separated lives, holy unto the Lord. There came a time in the early church when Jesus had to write this warning. He said, I know your works. You have a name. You're going through the motions. You go to church, but you're neither cold nor hot. You're lukewarm. You make me sick. I'm going to spew you out of my mouth. God wants us to be on fire for Him. And I believe there is coming a day, and perhaps we're seeing it now, a cleavage in the Lord's church. When the cold are going to get colder, the indifferent are going to get more indifferent, and they'll withdraw and become part of that great ecumenical movement, the whore church that is spoken of in Revelation. But the Lord's church, those who are really saved, genuinely converted, have the Holy Spirit abiding in their hearts, are going to get warmer and warmer and hot for the Lord, and they're going to do a great work of world evangelism. I'm not sure the church, the Bible teaches that there will be a great worldwide revival before the Lord comes. People have longed for that. Men have prayed for it. But do you know that in the last years since Billy Sunday, there has not been a revival. There's been evangelism. Thank God for that. God has used Billy Graham in an unusual way to declare the message of Jesus all around the world. And the Bible says in Matthew 24, verse 14, the the word of this gospel shall be preached for a witness unto all nations and then shall the end come. But even with this mass evangelism and many people being saved, there's no revival. For revival is the church falling in love with Jesus and walking closely with Him, separated godly living. During the days of Pilly Sunday, taverns closed, not because of legislation, but because people got saved and didn't want to go drink anymore. Theaters closed, not because of legislation, but people got their hearts on fire for God, and they lost their hankering after the theaters. God sends revival. His power, His will is that His people be ablaze and a fire with the power and the Word of God. Now I want you to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 16. Jesus tells us here how he financed this program of world evangelism. 1 Corinthians 16, 2. Upon the first day of the week, let every one of you lay by him in store as God hath prospered him, that there be no gatherings when I come. In other words, Jesus told his church how to take care of the world program of outreach. He said on the first day of the week, every Sunday, first day of the week is Sunday, let every one of you, that is every saved person, every born-again child of God, everybody who's on his way to heaven. Let every one of you act like you're already in heaven and bring to God on the first day of the week to His church, to His storehouse, your offerings. So that, Paul said, when I come, there won't have to be any need of special offerings. If God's people, called by His name, day by day, week by week, would bring to the Lord 10% of everything we make, there'd be no need for special offerings. Years ago, in 1972, I had the privilege of being with the Bay Area Chinese Bible Church in Oakland, California, with Brother Louis Lightfoot and Miss Betty. They had a handful of precious Chinese people. Some of you may remember when I came back from that meeting, I was uh, ablaze with wonder and thrilled with their wonderful spirit, their great singing. We had their choir come and sing here. But that church was just a little handful. Brother Louis had another job. Brother, Miss Betty had another job. And all many of those people were students. But Brother Louis taught them to tithe. And they brought their tithes to the Lord. It wasn't very much. They tra- tried to give me an offering at the end of the meeting then. Pay my travel expenses over there. I gave it back to them. I've never even told anybody that till just now. But they kept on soul winning. During those days, we had meetings on Berkeley campus, right in the face of all the communists and the moral depravity of it all, and the homosexuals and all that. And some of those Berkeley students were one to Christ. Amen. And the church began to grow. Brother Louie invited us out again last week to be with him. It's an entirely different situation. They had relocated, found this great big old school, remodeled it on nine acres of property. They haven't been able to buy it yet. The school system won't sell it to them, but they they rent it for $8,000 a month. They said, when we get ready to buy it, they're going to buy it because God's going to give it to them. They're going to have to pay about $2 million. They said, that won't be a problem for us. Last Saturday night when we had the banquet, Fifteen hundred people were there, preached through an interpreter. Many were there who could not understand English. Some were just recent immigrants from China. Some had come from Red China. Some were there who had been at Tiananmen Square. It was a heartbreaking thing. Preached on Romans 1.16. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It is the power of God and salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Amen. God changed some lives. Amen. The services at the church had to have two services on Sunday morning. Wouldn't all fit in their auditorium. Every night, night after night, the people the place was packed. Their choir sang. And they didn't sing some little old modern ditties with a bunch of combo background. They sang great hymns of the faith. Amen and just melted your heart, thrilled your heart, blessed your heart. I asked them to come again. I hope we can have them next year. Last Sunday, the offering, one Sunday, $16,000. They brought their tithes to the Lord. They have missionaries out serving around the world. Ladies and gentlemen, That can be done when God's people fall in love with him and say, Lord, I love you. I know you founded the church. You gave us a purpose. You gave us a commission. You gave us holiness of life. You changed our lives. You made us on the way to heaven. And you've given us a wonderful joy and peace and love. And then, Lord, you taught us how to take care of it all by being good stewards of the manifold grace of God and bringing to you your part. Sunday by Sunday, placing that on the altar for Christ. Those students, in 1972, fell in love with Jesus. They didn't have much to give then, practically nothing. Brother Louie and Miss Betty gave most that was given. They graduated from college He taught them to tithe. Several of them are doctors in the Oakland area. Several of them are lawyers in the Oakland area. Some of them fly all around America and come back on Sunday. Many of them are technicians. That church has about 10 computers in the church office. They have 18 vans. And three buses, all unpaid paid for. They're new ones. They're going out with Christ after the lost. We met for visitation. And a whole band of those precious Chinese came and we prayed. And then we went out across Oakland to see people come to Christ. Now, ladies and gentlemen, that's the mission of the church. The mandate of God's church Love him with all our heart and then accept his commission go into all the world and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Without him, I can do nothing. Let's pray. Every head bowed, every eye closed. <clears throat> such a blessing to be home with you the dearest people to my heart in all the world I love you this is church loyalty day this is a good day to express our love to Christ and just say Jesus I love you and I want to commit myself to being faithful to your church in love, in loyalty in faith, in giving in tithing in soul winning, in lifestyle, I love you, Lord. I want to ask all of the men who have ever served as deacons in our church to come and stand here at the front. Would you do that right now? The present deacon body and others who have served in past years, just come and stand here at the front for a moment. I'm thankful for these men, leaders in our church, men filled with God who love the Lord. This church called them and asked them to serve. With our heads bowed and eyes closed, I want to ask you to pray for these deacons. These who have accepted positions of high leadership. If your wife, or if your wife is here today, a wife, would you come and stand with your deacon husband? Would you do that right now? Just come and stand with them now. Thank you for doing that. Just stand right beside them because that's what God called you to do. To stand right alongside the man of God, your husband in the work of Jesus. Now I want to ask those in our church and I'm not excluding any visitor. God bless you. Thank you for being with us. But first of all, our members. And don't feel in any way left out. I want to this is not the close of the service. I want to ask you to give me a few moments extra time this morning. But I want to ask every member of our church to look deep in your heart and just say, Lord, I want to be faithful to your church. I want to love your church. I want to support your church. And as a symbol of that, I want to come by and shake hands with these deacons and their wives and ask them to pray for me and just whisper to them I love the church I love you will you pray that God will give you that kind of strength and faith today let's all quietly stand the organ playing without him I can do nothing and I'll ask the choir if you feel in your heart to say that, I want you to come first and then go back to the choir. Just while the organ is playing, Jesus, help us to be faithful to your church. On this Church Loyalty Sunday, may we come and express that by moving out of our place, doing something that's a little bit difficult to do. In Jesus' name. I want to ask the choir, if you feel it in your heart, to come and say that to these deacons and their wives. Would you do that? God bless you. And just tell them you love them. Tell them how much they mean to you. It's a beautiful sight. I wish I had a picture of it. Amen. 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 I want to ask Robert to come here and stand with me and sing that song. Without him I could do nothing. While the choir's finishing coming around.